Welcome to the podcast from Stazza Stable, The Stable Master Speaks. My name's John Starrett, aka The Stable Master. And as usual, there's no script and there's no editing. The bloopers are included for your amusement. Also, no patrons, no ads and no sponsorship. No jingles, no jangles, no jiggery-pokery. Just hard-hitting, fast-talking training advice. But of course, that's not strictly true. As regular listeners know, we do a little bit more than just the training advice. We give away the best prizes in the universe for any podcast. And we will be announcing the winner of a prize very, very shortly. Okay, but first of all, as regular listeners know, we've already given away two prizes of two weeks in the Caribbean. The winners of that and the listeners, they've been out there. They've got the sunburn, drank the island dry, come back and posted it all on Instagram. And I'm not happy with that. We're now giving away two more prizes for two weeks in Mauritius, four-bedroom villa with a swimming pool, 350 stable master metres away from one of the best beaches on the island of Mauritius. Uh, the villa's booked from the 26th of January to the end of February, so that's when the, the two two-week prizes will be dished out. So how do you win those prizes? Dead simple. I'll ask a question in the podcast and you just answer it. And you come back to me via Instagram direct message on stazas underscore stable. Or you can get me through my website, stazasstable.com. Or you can just drop me a WhatsApp message on plus 353-830-435-669. So pretty straightforward there. So listen into the podcast carefully and there'll be a question at some point And you can then just fire your answers across. Um, how it all works is... We put the names into the hat, whoever gets the answer right. And then at the end of each month, we take 10 names out of one of the hats and put them into a separate hat. So come July, when we do the draw, we'll have two hats. One of the hats is going to have over a thousand names in or a thousand dockets in. And the other hat will have 50 and we'll draw one prize out of each hat. It's pretty straightforward. We are also not happy with that. We give away other prizes too. So right now we've been running a, a competition for a pair of super shoes. And I did the draw for the super shoes last night. And guess what name come out of the hat? Are you ready? Or should we do it at the end? No, I think we'll do it now. So the winner was a woman called Julie Montgomery. So Julie, I'll be in contact with you so that you can get your super shoes, your sizing and address and things. Because I don't know who Julie is. I don't coach her. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to do was anybody, <clears throat> I wanted somebody who's in the Strava, the Stable Master Speaks, the Art of the Marathon the Strava group, I want somebody in there to win a prize, so I did an extra draw as well, so we're giving away two pairs of super shoes, and I did that draw as well last night, and the winner of that prize was Finbar Kokoran, so Finbar, I'll be in contact with you to fire across the shoes to you as well, okay, so not bad, eh, two pairs of super shoes, how many running podcasts do something like that, not many, I doubt any, so that's that sorted out there, um, I'm just thinking if there's any other any other thing to do with the prizes there. No, just remember the ways to contact me and then listen carefully to the, the podcast and you'll be able to answer the question to, for the Mauritius trip. Okay, um, just before we get stuck into the, the podcast itself, the, the training chat, a couple of little things, a little bit housekeeping. So we had a, another fantastic weekend of racing with London uh, the weekend and we had uh, the sub three cowboys. We had six sub three cowboys, six people going for it, and we had Carl Gloucester with a two thirty four, Stuart Robertson with two forty, and uh, actually just to 
should mention as well, all of the guys, all six of the guys who went sub three, all substantial PBs. So Carl ran 2.34, Stuart Robertson 2.40.43. And incidentally, Stuart finished second in the Scottish Vets 50 plus. That was great. I had Reese Powell, young Reese, ran 2.41.24. And that was a 14, 15 minute PB there. 14 and a half minutes, I think it was, PB. We had Menzi Fakazi, 2.43. Ian Kane, 2.51. And Paul Robertson, 2.55. So some great PBs there in London. And also racing on the weekend, we had Sally Forrestal, who ran in the Wexford Half Marathon, and she took the win in that, so congratulations to Sally. So just remember that name, Sally Forrestal. It's a very important name for this podcast, okay? There we go. What else has been happening? Yeah, I just think on the on the racing front, normally we'd have a lot more people racing in the marathon season, but the guys are tending to go more for the autumn marathon, so we're going to have probably... I think with the autumn marathons and Valencia, I think we've got over 100 people doing marathons there. So it'll be pretty exciting because now that's where a lot of the focus is going to be on and on the build up there. We'll have a lot of people moving into the marathon bridge training in preparation for the specific work, which will come a little bit later. Um, anything else that's interesting is happening? Yes, there is. On the 31st of May, I am moving to Mauritius. Uh, I'm heading out to Mauritius for six months. I'll be there till roughly around about the 28th of November. So the podcast will be coming to you from the tropical island. Um, so i have head out there 31st of May, yeah, six months, and then going to Valencia for a week for the marathon, and then back to Ireland for Christmas, then out to Kenya for a month, because uh, we've got a lot of people heading out to Kenya on the Kenya trip and for the Coach of the Coaches course, and then from there across to Mauritius. So quite a bit happening this year. Could be an interesting six months in Mauritius. Looking forward to that. Um, I'll keep you posted, obviously, on the podcast and what's happening out there. So let's get stuck into the the, the training chat, really. So what have we covered so far in, in this season? Um, let's see now. Yeah, we had a little look at about the marathon being about art and not science. And we talked about Andy jo- Professor Andy Jones and, uh, you know, he, he was on a podcast talking about certain aspects of the science and then saying that really... All you need is kind of a stopwatch, really, which is pretty much true. We also looked at something he alluded to there, fatigue resistance, which is something that a lot of the top coaches in Kenya and myself, we work on is, is on that. And we use a type of training which I've introduced. I've spoken a little bit about temporal flow training. We're going to speak more about that in future podcasts and go into a lot more detail on it and how that is how you get these big improvements in the marathon, especially if you're targeting just one marathon a year. Now, of course, the pros target two marathons a year because they're in it for the money and the sponsors and all that sort of stuff. But for you know guys who are like semi-elite or yeah, I suppose semi-elite and sub-elite rather is the right word, isn't it? Sub-elite and club runners and people trying to break three, it's better to just go for the one marathon. You can make more substantial gains. If you look there at the guys uh, who did London this weekend from the group, um, a lot of them actually did do marathons in the autumn and what I'm trying to do is get my guys to go for just the one marathon a year so that's why there weren't so many doing London this year and the other uh, like Manchester and things most of the guys are building up towards Manchester where they'll probably make 15-20 minute improvements over their marathon so we, have, we had a little look at that about temporal flow training um, so we then had a look at the challenges of the marathon as well and talked about those about how about planning out your year um, then we got stuck into we started into the principles or the pillars of the marathon the eight pillars the first pillar that we looked at was the overload principle and just to remind you uh, for, 
what the what that is for so for us to improve we have to look at the areas of fitness that we need to address and apply the overload principle in an individual progressive instruction manner uh, what that basically means is if you want to get better obviously you've got to increase the training load so that might be if you're starting off with a four mile temp tempo then that's you know that's the the stressor that you're applying and then that might develop into like a five mile six mile seven mile so on as you progress the things out we'll talk a little bit more about that okay um and then the next principle that we looked at was rest and recovery and we mentioned about rest and recovery being probably the most important principle also the most misunderstood and the most neglected so because one of the hardest things to do is to get runners to take rest and you know make sure that they're recovering properly so that they can uh, that kind of triggers the adaptations that we're looking for and that's what we're going to be talking about in this podcast today is adaptations but let's just stick a little bit on the recovery thing because I had a few questions about that so what we mean by rest and recovery rest first of all is like taking an end of season break so you might run your marathon say the guys who've just done London now in my group they'll have a week off and then they'll ease back into their training they'll do a week of easy running another week of easy running and then we'll bridge them back into some workouts so that's the rest there you might take a rest midway through the season as well like I take a week off and as I mentioned quite often to try to get I suppose sub elites and club runners and people go for sub three and things like that. It's quite difficult to get people to take that time off because they think that they're going to get a detraining effect, which is not strictly true. And in a couple of weeks time, we will be talking about the detraining pillar as well. So that's kind of the rest area. The recovery was that making sure that after you've done your workout, that you're recovering in time before the next workout. So, and that leads into the axiom that I use appropriate stress recovery adaptation that's the thing that we're trying to work on all the time so we stress the body we recover and then we get the adaptations and then we build and we layer the training on you know week in week out okay another important part of the rest and recovery cycle is sleep it's very very important it's, sleep is probably the best workout of the lot and we often we get guys people who run and they say i run really well off very limited sleep but the problem is if those guys were to get more sleep or adequate sleep they'd run even better. And we normally find as well with people who don't get much sleep that their their lives are a little bit messy, you know, their relationships, their mental health and things like that. So they kind of struggle a little bit. So sleep's very, very important part of the rest and recovery principle. Okay, so that feeds us in then nicely into the, the adaptation principle, which is key. So what is it, I suppose? Let's see now. So when we're um, applying the overload principles, we're stressing the body. What we're effectively doing is we're turning the screw and overloading the body. And what happens is the body reacts to that stress. It calibrates itself based on the stressor and the recovery. And then that stress and the recovery trigger the physiological adaptations. So basically, that's a posh way of saying we want to try and improve certain aspects of our fitness. We do a workout, we recover from it, and then we improve it as long as we've got the overload properly in the recovery right. Okay, so if we overload our bodies, I suppose, with the right balance and a specific workload, and then recover and rest adequately, then what happens is our fitness improves slightly. Now, no, that's not rocket science, you don't need a PhD for that. But if we dig a little bit deeper into what we actually mean there about adaptations and what's happening, uh, it gets a little bit more interesting. You're gonna have to bear with me a little bit here because we've got some posh words coming up, but don't worry, I'll let you know uh, as, we, as we get to them, all right? So where do we begin with this? I suppose, okay, right. As we said there, training and recovery pro pro provoke or stimulate or trigger the adaptations. 
in our cardiovascular and musculoskeletal systems. We've spoken about both of those systems previously. The cardiovascular system does many things, but its primary functions are to circulate oxygen, dispose of the carbon dioxide and feed the cells with nutrients and dump the waste products of metabolism. Okay, so pretty straightforward stuff there. That's sort of like when you're at school, the biology that you might do when you're like about 14 or 15, there's nothing too you know, challenging with that, okay? So when we're talking about getting rid of the waste products metabolism, we're talking about changing food and drink into energy and then the waste products from that, okay? The musculoskeletal system is basically the muscles, the tendons, ligaments, bones, joints and cartilage and things like that, okay? So through the training, what we do is we increase the number of blood vessels and capillaries, okay? And we've got a posh word coming up for you now, angiogenesis. Okay, and we also produce new mitochondria, and we've got another well posh phrase, I suppose, mitochondrial biogenesis. So that's the production of new mitochondria. Okay, so um, let's see. Yeah, so the capillaries, what they effectively do is they deliver blood and oxygen and nutrients to our cells. Mitochondria do lots of cool things, and they're very important for distance running. Really, uh, they're the celebrities of distance running, and that's because. Um, they produce ATP, uh, what is ATP is adenosine triphosphate. Now what ATP stores and provides the energy for our cells. And in each cell, there are hundreds of thousands of mitochondria. So just think about a cell, how small a cell is. And then within that small cell, there are hundreds of thousands of mitochondria, okay? And in fact, in the human body has trillions of them. So. And that's, this is one of the key things that we're trying to do. We're trying to increase the number and the quality of the mitochondria, okay? So mitochondria are often referred to, if you're reading about you know, any sports science or anything like that, or biology, the powerhouses. They're kind of like little sweatshops that produce loads of energy for you, okay? And that's one of the fundamental things that we're trying to do is increase the number of capillaries and the mitochondria. And they play a huge role in basically transporting and utilizing oxygen in the body and for energy process, uh, energy production. Okay, so one of the, when, we, when we're trying to work out a workout and then work out the rest and recovery and the adaptation we're trying to do, one of the key things is we're trying to get more of these capillaries in and more mitochondria, all right? Now, there are different ways that we can deliver the overload stimuli and many different adaptations we can use to target um, this, I suppose, target and trigger these adaptations. But where the art comes in is knowing what sessions to give and when. So we've spoken obviously in, in the past about all the paradigm shifts in sports science and how things keep changing all the time and say this is best and that's best. Whereas the top coaches kind of sort of, I suppose, through experience already know the best things to do. So if we just kind of pause there and say to ourselves, okay, what we're trying to do is increase the number of capillaries and mitochondria. So let's have some sort of kind of like real life examples. So let's pluck something out, okay. I suppose one of the main things that a lot of people who are listening to this are trying to do is probably we've got a number of elites listening. So we'll have a look at the elites and we'll have a look at, I suppose, the sub three guys and then I suppose the beginner runners or the people on the slower end of the spectrum as well and see how you can do this. So let's take the sub three guys first. The main thing that a sub three person's got to do is say in the specific part of the marathon training. So we'll take that for, for now and we'll go through different, the different phases with each kind of group. So if we start with the yeah the sub three guys in their specific phase they've got to teach the body to burn glycogen economically at marathon pace okay so marathon pace is 652 i suppose in training that's really on your watch will be 648 because of the discrepancy between training pace 
and then the pace on the on the marathon course with the the blue line and so on and so forth so anybody doesn't understand that basically what i'm talking about there is if you're running 652 pace in training that's going to on the marathon course that's going to be more like 656 so you do need to go a little bit quicker otherwise you're going to come unstuck because as you know the marathon measures a little bit long on the watch so that's important so if we're trying to do that and let's say for example we're going in we've, we've done the uh the super base we've done the marathon bridge training you've you've popped out your half marathon 12 weeks before your marathon and your half marathon pace was let's say 625 so if we add 25 seconds that gives us what 635 645 650-ish somewhere around there okay so we know that based on your half marathon you're now ready to run a sub three and what we want to do is we'll be looking at this and saying okay how do we sort of overload the body in the right way so that we can create the adaptations that enable us to manage 650 pace or 648 pace for the whole length of the marathon so if you've run if you just popped out a half marathon at 625 pace and then you've recovered from that half marathon for the week you don't do a workout and then on the weekend you think to yourself okay i want to do a workout here what would be the best workout now you don't want it to be too aggressive because you know you're still probably still recovering a little bit from the half marathon on the weekend so rather than targeting something that marathon pace you might say to yourself okay let's start this process we might do something like a three mile warm-up we might do 12 miles at maybe uh, 30 seconds slower than marathon pace so let's just use a figure of 650 for simplicity so that means like 12 miles at 720 pace and a three mile cool down and that run there is pretty straightforward shouldn't be too challenging because it's you know you've just popped out a half marathon at 625 pace but what are we exactly trying what, what is it that we're trying to target there are we trying to build, like get loads of new mitochondria or, or are we trying to lay capillary beds or what's going on the main purpose of that run there is more of a what i would call a structural run so with a three mile warm-up a three mile cool down and 12 miles at 30 seconds slower than marathon pace what we're looking at there is we've got what 18 miles and this is transitioning in and making the runs a little bit longer so this is targeting primarily the musculoskeletal system and laying that foundation so as we progress through the 12 weeks or so of the specific phase that the musculoskeletal system is going to be strong enough and robust enough to cope with the distance but we start off at maybe 30 seconds per mile slower than marathon pace so we pop out that mar that, that that run on the weekend and then We'll probably find with it, it's not too stressful, but within a few days, the body comes round and metabolically we'll feel like we've recovered and structurally too, because it wasn't too challenging. That then means that we can go into a midweek workout, whatever that midweek workout is, we pop out. We won't focus on that too much. We'll just use for uh, the example here, we'll focus in on the weekend runs. So then on the following weekend, we've done, if we look back over the last two weeks, we've done 13 miles at half marathon pace. We've done 12 miles tempo to at 30 seconds slower than marathon pace so now what we'll do in week two of the build-up we might do something like a two mile warm-up 14 miles at marathon pace and a two mile cool down now 14 miles at marathon pace isn't going to be too stressful because two weeks previously we popped out 13 miles at 30 at 25 seconds or so faster than marathon pace so this is the beginning of the process now, the specificity. What we're now doing is we're saying to ourselves, we want to target, we want to overload the body and get it used to running at marathon pace. So it starts this process of burning glycogen economically and efficiently at marathon pace and not overstressing the body too much. So we pop up that run there and boom, Bob's your uncle, it's done, no problems at all. Pretty easy, really. 
Then what we do, obviously, we've got our midweek workout, then we come back around to the weekend again. So what we don't want to be doing is running at marathon pace again. You want to save that for every two weeks or so. And then what we have to do is we have to progress things in a structured way. So let's look back at the structural run we did, the three miles easy, the 12 miles at 30 seconds slower than marathon pace, and the three miles easy. How do we progress that? What we do now is we go three miles easy, 14 miles at 20 seconds faster than marathon pace, and three miles easy. So now we've increased the distance of the run, the total volume of it from 18 up to 20. So we're getting that little bit of stress on the musculoskeletal system. We've increased the pace of it by by 10 seconds. So instead of running at 7.20, we're now running at 7.10. So that's also sort of narrowing that gap between marathon pace and the structural run as well. And we get a nice stimulus from that as well. Again, it's eminently achievable because previously we've run 14 miles at marathon pace. So again, everything's just ticking along nicely. We come to our midweek workout, pop out the midweek workout, and then we come back round again to the marathon pace run. And then we look back two weeks because we're working in these two week cycles, okay? And previously we did 14 miles at marathon pace. So what we would do now is we do 16 miles at marathon pace. So we go two mile warm up, 16 at marathon pace, and two mile cool down. Now you can see there what we're looking at is the overload principle here is with the stressor is we're increasing the distance by two miles at marathon pace. Again, it's not too big. It's just about the right amount. And again, we're encouraging the body to burn glycogen at marathon pace efficiently. That's the overload principle there. And that's the adaptation that we're trying to, to, to trigger basically so the body becomes better at handling marathon pace and burning glycogen and it feels comfortable. We come back round again then to the next week and then we'd increase the structural run from 16 to 18 we'd increase the pace from 720 down to 710 and then so on and so forth so we're now up to 22 miles and then the following week we might do we might take a step back week there just to allow the body to recover from all of the training so far now as we mentioned uh in two weeks ago's podcast and i'll come to why i missed the podcast in a minute for last week two weeks ago we talked about taking step back weeks as part of the recovery and adaptation process so what it kind of happens there when you take a step back week you don't lose fitness in that week what's it's like is if you imagine a catapult it's like just pulling back the catapult and then letting it go and it triggers an, a sort of an increase in fitness so when you come back round again you're fully recovered and in a stronger place so that enables you to do the two big workouts in the marathon build-up so the two big workouts would be uh, a two mile warm up, 18 miles at marathon pace and a two mile cool down. Now, if you tick off that 18 mile at marathon pace, it means that you'll be ready on marathon day to hold the pace pretty comfortably. We also then follow that with a two, three mile warm up, 18 miles at 10 seconds slower than marathon pace and a three mile cool down. They're the two big workouts in the specific phase of the marathon. So we, you know, we're gradually building there. You can see that how it structures and how it builds in a layered way. So we get to like, so we're more or less four to four or five weeks out and we've banged out two big ones. In between those two big runs, the three mile, uh, the, the two miles warm up, 18 miles at marathon pace and the two mile cool down and the three mile warm up and the 18 miles at 10 seconds slower than marathon pace and the two mile cool down, we wouldn't do a workout because we need that, that extra time to recover, okay? So when you get there, we're ready. And then what we do is we start to taper the long run in. So we've gradually built up to from doing a 13 miles or a half marathon at half marathon pace to being able to run 18 miles at marathon pace with a two up and a two down, which is 22 miles, and also a 24 miler, which gives us that structural strength, strength of which 18 of those miles 
are 10 seconds slower than marathon pace. Then we taper in the long run and really dial it in. So we'll do a 16, two warm-up, 16 at marathon pace, a two warm-up, 14 at marathon pace and two down. And then that takes us to the week before the marathon where we'll do two warm-up, eight at marathon pace and a two down. And you can see those marathon pace runs, now they become weekly and that's really fine-tuning the body so that it just gets so used to running at marathon pace and burning glycogen at marathon pace and that just sets us up nicely. Now, what you'll find is that some people make the mistake of running a half marathon, sort of like four weeks before a marathon or two weeks before and things like this. They say that they need to do it because just to, uh, to make marathon pace feel easier. This is the worst thing that you can do because what it actually does is you're teaching the body to do something that you don't want it to do. You don't want to be in great half marathon shape. You want to be in great marathon shape. For me, it's always a warning sign when somebody runs a half marathon four to six weeks before and they run really, really well because what it's telling me is that they're in good marathon shape and not marathon shape. So that's something just to be cognizant of as well. You also get some people that will do a 5K a couple of weeks before as a sharpener. Again, you don't want to do that. What you're trying to do in marathon training is you're trying to get the body, let's say, uh, let's pick two cities, uh, let's say London to Newcastle, okay, for the people, uh, everyone in Ireland knows where London and Newcastle is and post, most people in the States and around the world knows where they, know where those two cities are. They're a long way apart and if there's a motorway all the way up there, you want to be like a Volvo, just purring nicely all the way up there. If you throw in a 5k, that's like some boy racer getting in there, his Ford Escort and burning up the wheels around the housing estate and you're teaching the body to then to burn glycogen at 5k pace rather than marathon pace and that's the key thing that you want to be focusing on all the time and for those people who are big Kipchoge fans you don't see Kipchoge running half marathons and 5k's uh, like a couple of weeks before a, a marathon and there's a reason for that and that would be the reason why so that's a, an example there how we would use the overload principle which is basically layering the um, the, the marathon pace runs and the structural runs through the specific phase. The rest and recovery, we've spoken about that, so how you would recover between the different runs and actually taking, even at certain stages, you might take a week where you don't do a workout to facilitate even more recovery and bring in the adaptations and catapult yourself forward in fitness. And then <clears throat> what, we're, what we're effectively doing there is we're increasing the capillaries and the mitochondria. Now, another thing that you can do here, depending you know, on if you've got the time available, if you were to go warm weather training or altitude training, there's other ways, you know, the, 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 this can have an increased effect in, in terms of uh, bringing in more capillaries and mitochondria. But we'll talk about that another time because I want to talk specifically about those two things. Okay, so how would we use the adaptation principle with, say, like a beginner runner or somebody who's running four hours? Now, we've spoken previously about with a four hour runner, it's not necessarily the best thing in the world to do to give them too many workouts, if they're, especially if their hip flexor kind of dominant when they're running, because you know, basically what I mean by that, their 5K, 10K, half marathon pace and marathon pace are really close together. So what, there, what we might be trying to do is something different. It might be more of a structural thing or try to improve their running form initially. So if, you know, if you've got somebody who's starting with you and they're, they're running four hours for the marathon, Really, before you would put them on the super base, the best thing to do would basically try to get them to get their, you know, improve their running form and their stride. And we spoke about that in when we were talking about doing the hill sprints and the aerobic strides. So that would be a good way to try and improve their running form, so that you can sort of basically get them to run a little bit quicker, so that when you when they're running quicker, and then you start to give them workouts, they're more effective rather than them just keeping running at the same pace all the time. So that's how you would, like, you know, you're saying this is the adaptation that I want to 
like to attack and we go after that and we attack that first, get them a little bit quicker, improve their running form, and then we move them into the workouts. On the elite end, let's say in the marathon bridge training, uh, which is we kind of we alluded to when we we're talking about temporal flow training, which is about fatigue resistance. Again, the overload principle there will be to in, again working in fortnightly kind of blocks is to increase their resistance to fatigue. So that could be done something like if you're starting somebody off uh, and they might start off at like with twenty times four hundred as a, you know as an elite runner, and then the next two weeks like the next week you might do something like a threshold type session so you might do something like i don't know 10 times 1k at 10 mile effort of a 30 second recovery and then in week three you come back and develop the 20 times 400 so that 20 times 400 now becomes maybe like 10 times 600 and 10 times 400 so we've gone from doing 8k worth of work up to 10k worth of work and then we might come around and then uh, attack the threshold again instead of doing 10 times 1k of 30 seconds we might go 12 times 1k so so you can see that little progression there and then we come back around again and we develop the 10 times 6 and 10 times 4 so now what we might do is we might do 10 times 800 10 times 400 10 times 200 so that's then increased again and it builds up and builds up the threshold sessions you might develop from up to 15 times 1k of 30 seconds at 10 mile effort and these are fantastic sessions and i must actually give credit to the guy who's basically coined that session and it's John Kellogg. It's something that um, I've been using a lot, especially in marathon training as well as with the elites. It's a really good way to complement the, the marathon specific or the, the marathon pace training and the structural runs as well. And then what you would do there is you can develop that and it be, take it into mile reps. So you end up sort of doing a session like eight times one mile off a minute recovery. So that's how you're developing the threshold side of things. Whereas the, the sessions where you've gone sort of like from 2400s to 10 times 800, 10 times 400, 10 times 200, that can kind of then transition into something like 2 times 3k, 3 times 2k, 5 times 1k, 5 times 500 or 5 times 400. And then, as you know, you're building the volume all the time as everything's being done in a progressive structured manner. So you can see there how the overload principle, the rest and recovery and the adaptations are working together, hence the axiom appropriate stress, recovery, adaptation, everything in a progressive structured manner. And what we've done there, we've looked at elite level, we've looked at like the three hour runner and somebody who's a beginner or trying to improve from that four hour and get down to three hours. And you can see how that works there nicely, okay? So that rounds it off for this week. We've just got to now uh, ask the question for the competition for Mauritius. And the question is really simple. Which one of the Stazza Stable Stable Mates won the women's half marathon in Wexford last weekend okay when you've got your answer you can get me on instagram stazza underscore stable or you can get me on whatsapp plus three five three oh eight three oh four three five double six nine or through stazzastable.com on the website okay great stuff uh thanks for all the fantastic feedback it's been brilliant really you know it's really interesting getting messages and things from people and asking questions and probably what i'll do maybe next week is have a little look at some of the, the questions that people have asked that goes back and sort of because there's been some really good questions about the these phases you know about marathon being art and not more about the art and not the science the challenges of the marathon and about why the majors aren't such a good idea to run and then also these pillars that we're talking about and some people have asked questions about temporal flow training as well so maybe i might spend the next podcast just talking about those questions just so everything's nice and clear as we move forward into the into the next pillar of marathon training okay 
So thanks very much for listening and speak to you soon.